Hello there! It's Friday. I just peeped my microphone, which means it's time we'll go once with again. The... We're going to carry on. Uh, it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. Uh, the only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Anthony. Was that you interrupting the introduction there? I heard the voice come through. Uh, no, I, I just went, yep. Oh, <laughs> to, something, to, to something you said, I just said, yep. You just... just <laughs> oh, was it? The, did you just acknowledge the peaking that happens there? Well, I did. I did that too. But I think, I think even when you say the only movie podcast, I was like, "Yep." Oh, okay, so it's, it's more like a sort of uh, a flavor flav hype man situation. Just, just putting the two cents in, you know. Just putting um, the two cents in. I don't remember where I was in the introduction, so I'm simply going to say. I am the podcaster with no name, and Anthony James is here. He loves the sound of inevitability. Anthony, how the devil are you? I'm doing well. I am doing well. Um, ironically, I think this is going to be a more positive uh, podcast than I ever expected it to be. Uh, I mean, you you told me that you love this film, and yep. and then and then I was like, what? That's that's crazy to me. So then I watched it, um, and I th- I've got some things to say. I, th- I don't think I loved it as much as you did, mm. but I, di- I did really like it, though, I will say. Well, what better time than now to reveal that we will, of course, be talking about uh, the Wachowski sisters, The Matrix Resurrections, um, hot off the presses. It's m- been out in cinemas a mere month now, I think. We're really, really mm-hmm. nailing these at the height of their popularity. It's a divisive movie. I think that's fair to say. It seems you say like... height of their popularity. I think the height of the popularity for this one's probably going to be about six or seven years from now. Yeah, when people actually watch it because no one's going to the cinema to see anything apart from Spider-Man at the moment, apparently. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, that's what we're here to talk about. Um, I'm trying to think if I have anything else that I want to actually say in this introduction. I don't think I do. So without further ado, why don't we talk about some gosh darn movies? Let's do it. Movies. We're here to talk about them. Have we done an episode in 2022? Did we do Um, one? No, uh, did we? I feel like oh, yeah, I announced yes, it was did. 2022 in the last one. Uh, yeah, so we yeah because we did the the Christmas films that aren't Christmas films. That's right. Yep. Sure. Okay. Yep. Well, I mean, that's to be honest, that's my fault for picking that as a subject because I've immediately. Yeah, just it feels like the Christmas episode. That, yeah. That's that's last year's clearly. Um, but we're here to talk about the Matrix Resurrections. Before yep. we do that, though, we've got to get some we've got some business to attend to. First of all, interesting announcement um, this week, which is that Pixar's Turning Red. Uh, won't be coming to theatres. So it's a movie about a red panda. Mm-hmm. That's all I know about it. It's probably aimed at children. It's a Pixar movie. Let's oh, I this. know quite a bit about it. Yeah. Oh, well, okay, there you go. You probably know more than I do. It's but based is... on the idea of puberty, I think. Oh, okay, great. Well, it's something we can all identify with then. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, least of all children, really. So it shouldn't be a children's film. Um, well, it's it's preparing them for the changes ahead, I, I imagine. Uh, I suppose so. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, a warning. <laughs> a warning yeah. about the, the problems they're coming in for. Warning, red. That's why it's red. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. If it was a, maybe the panda sounds green <laughs> at the end. This is the third straight Pixar movie that has gone straight to Disney Plus, along with Soul and Luca, um, yep. which I thought was interesting purely because Pixar releases used to be big cinema business, and it seems like Disney are now saying that this, their focus is primarily on Disney Plus subscribers and are pulling Pixar movies for the purpose of doing this, which seems like mm. an odd choice. Um, I, I've, okay, I've got some meta analysis for you. Uh, go on. You know, I, I I've thought of this literally right now, but okay. let's go with it. Perfect. Hot so the presses. 
yeah, you think about this, right? There are obviously there is a big audience amongst adults, millennial adults, and and younger um, for Disney musicals and stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, but I would even say for like the generation of us who grew up with Pixar, like Toy Story and Bugs Life and everything, we were the generation who saw that sort of first. I would say we, when you hear a Pixar films coming out, you have a certain amount of thought that it's going to be a quality film. Yeah. So therefore, by putting them just on Disney Plus, I don't like that. But it's almost ensuring that our generation will also subscribe to Disney Plus. Oh, absolutely! I think that's the name of the game: mm. is to be like, yeah. you want you want the quality animation. It's only on Disney Plus. Because... They're not only putting Pixar on for children. You know, I think they are, they are they are thinking about like the millennial and younger when they put Pixar films on Disney Plus. Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think you're probably right, but it it is surprising. Um, I imagine yeah, that's... that's a trend that will continue at least until the pandemic is a little better well which... hopefully it doesn't hopefully it doesn't go forever and, and i I, w- I would worry that if they do do it for too long they'll like they'll start cutting the budgets and therefore pixar can't put in all the great work they do um another thing is that i'm pretty sure the Lightyear one will be going to the cinema there's no there's yeah. no chance the Lightyear film which is uh obviously the uh film based on uh the astronaut buzz lightyear uh from the fictional from the... astronaut buzz lightyear who exists in the world of toy story it's no he's the got fil- a tv yeah. show yeah it's the film it's yeah it's the film that the toy was created from within the world of toy story yeah. we're getting better here guys it's three layers um, deep that movie yeah so so that has to be in the cinema I, like i know my son is really you say that but i mean you would have there was a time when every pixar movie would be a guaranteed cinema release i guess i know you mean toy story though like disney plus didn't exist at that point so there wasn't another option but yeah but we have a toy like uh, yeah i know what you mean but i think toy story will come will come to the cinema it has to uh but as well as that um like the thing is as well the the pixar ones have done really well on disney plus like i think like luca became massive like massive like children Luca will be one of uh, this this group of children coming through's biggest films from their. It's basically like the Lion King of their of their growing okay. up. You know what I mean? It's like well, maybe the, well maybe the Toy Story, the Toy Story of their growing up because the it, babies it I know love big. it. Yeah, they love it. They bloody love They're it. All they bloody it. love the stuff. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll we'll check back in in roughly twenty years time and see what yeah. the um see what the babies thought of it of uh, of this practice by Disney. I'll do a um, daily diary with my son. See how his uh, opinions change over the years. Yeah perfect perfect we'll put that on the channel um the only other thing i wanted to uh cover here because uh they certainly didn't want anyone covering it was uh, the golden globes they happened uh they were not televised during part two uh, due to continued scrutiny over yeah. the diversity or lack thereof in the hollywood foreign press association essentially no one famous attended there were no cameras power of the dog won best picture uh, drama and west side story won best picture comedy or musical so there you go maybe they'll win oscars who can say? Okay, yeah, I'll say ten seconds on on that, Conrad. If I if I if I will, in my color commentator role here. Go on. Um, uh, I was listening to the B- BBC Radio Four on the way to work today. Um, uh, well, it was sort of I was talking to Ema and I was in the background, but um, they were talking about the Golden Globes and how they, it wasn't televised or anything like that because of um, issues with diversity and stuff like that. Yes. And didn't the BBC show their true colors by only <laughs> mentioning? only mentioning the winners who happened to be trans or happened to be black they didn't actually mention the 98 percent of the awards that didn't go to them and the bbc were like under questions of diversity but hang on hang on they did give an award to this person it's like go away 
Like the the, the <laughs> definition the of the word performative. We've got to we've got to <laughs> show balance. The BBC. Yeah. We've got to make sure that the BBC is balanced and shows both sides of the argument from the racist nightmare people and the normal people. We've got to get both sides of that I, argument. I, I can't understand how that got through the editorial because you can just imagine someone sitting at home, some old 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 uh, old old guy going like. Uh, Oh, this diversity's gone mad. And they're like, and this award went to the first ever trans trans person that got got the award. They're like, see, it isn't. It is diverse. What are <laughs> yeah. they talking about? Like, they put it together exactly so that reaction would be had. It's yeah. crazy. It's an attack on our culture, Anthony. Is what it is. We need to be careful. Um, the culture cave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, attack on the culture cave. Well, I mean, you know, we'll get our name in the papers. That'd be good. <laughs> but that's the Golden Globes. Uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association is old and full of old white dudes and it should be uh, reformed or replaced with something better. I don't know if you can technically reform things that aren't political, but whatever the equivalent of the non- non-political non organisations is, they should do that to it. Uh, that's all I wanted to say on that. Now we're going to talk about The Matrix because I love this movie. I think it's a really good movie. Uh, the Matrix Resurrections, this is, from 2021, yeah. directed by uh, the returning Lily and Lana Wachowski. It's no, starring only, only, only directed by one. Uh, Lana oh, was it only Wach- Lana Wachowski? Yeah, so uh, I think Lily Wachowski didn't want to return to something from pre- pre- previous transition, like from, from before transition. I thought uh, so Lily worked in it as well. There we go. Well, well I've been correct. There, there, there was there was a I think production credit potentially, but I oh, don't okay. think Lily was involved whatsoever. That's well, that's good to know. Okay, well, from uh, Lana Wachowski then, but uh, it's it's all the old favorites. It's it's uh, you know that you know the well, score. most of them. You've got your Keanu Reeves. You, yeah, yeah. You've got your Carrie Ann Moss. Uh, you've got your uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, who shows up in very funny old woman makeup. As far as yeah. I can, she looks she looks like a jackass character in this. Like when they oh, when they yeah, put like a rubber was... mask on to play an old person, it was great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so okay, what we're gonna do is I'm going to do a very quick plot catch-up for what happened before this, because let's be fair, it has been uh, 19, 19, 18 years uh, since uh, the last Matrix movie came out. Uh, so it's reasonable for people to not really remember where the plot left us. Uh, okay. And then we'll go through the plot of this one. Um, and I watched... I ha- Actually, I have a confession to make. I watched Matrix Revolutions for the first time in 20 years, or, or 18 years, um, before this came out in prep for it. And I actually really liked that movie. <laughs> I've got fully come round on it. Yeah, the I thing s- is, the thing is, Connor. From see from now on, when you judge my opinion of films, <laughs> just remember you will have the same opinion in twenty years' time. <laughs> no, I, I, this is. I should be lauded for this. I should be lauded for. for how you know, you've done well to admit it. You've done. I, I agree that you've admitted you were wrong, or you no, you 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 went wrong. Your opinion has changed. And, uh, I still and think I, Reloaded I, is bad. I, I Reloaded is a bad movie. I really don't like Reloaded. He's but, doing um, his Superman thing though. Oh, it's that that Agent <laughs> Smith fight looked bad at the time, and it looks so bad now. And then the 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 final like the first half of that movie is really good fun, and then the second half is just such boring exposition for the entire time. It's just people talking. The key, um, the key master. Something is about it? the key master. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, right. Very quick Matrix rundown to to catch everyone up. So. Neo becomes the one in the Matrix, does a bunch of cool kung fu. Uh, he rejects his role in the cycle of the destruction of Zion in Reloaded. Uh, talks to the architect, says, not going to do that anymore, I'm going to save humanity. And then in Revolutions, Neo basically makes a deal with the machines to allow his physical body to kind of be bound to them as he enters the Matrix one final time to fight the uh, now rampant like Agent Smith virus. Trinity's dead. Um, he allows Smith to implant him with the virus. It kills him, uh, and the machines are allow- able then to destroy Smith. 
Matrix is restored to its its kind of normal form, and the movie ends with the Oracle and the Architect uh, united, looking towards a brighter future. Humans are allowed to leave the Matrix if they want. Everyone's happy. The end. Question mark. Because, not not not, well. Actually, I think this is literally set nineteen years later. I can't remember if they say the day, the year that that, uh, the Matrix Resurrections is set in. I guess it wouldn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it's basic it's basically very similar yeah, it's similar yeah. time frame, isn't it? Yeah. It's a very meta movie uh not as meta time. as I was expecting, but it is very meta. Okay. Well so this movie then takes place, let's say nineteen years in the future. I'm sure I, I'm sure they do mention it, but I didn't write it down. And uh a character who should be dead uh, one Mr. Thomas Anderson is yeah. uh, the mind behind a very popular video game in the world of of the well it's in the matrix but he doesn't know that the game <gasps> itself is the matrix and it's all based off his memories of neo there's a su- suspiciously familiar looking woman played by carrie ann moss who goes to the same coffee shop as him called tiffany um mm-hmm. and he's basically struggling to discern reality from fantasy he goes to a therapist who prescribes him blue pills uh, played by neil patrick harris and then one fateful day a character called bugs um, basically busts a Morpheus program out of a little modal, like a little kind of self-contained program that he's made uh, that's rerunning the in, the the opening scene to the original Matrix movie. Yep. Uh, he, he busts Morpheus out and using Morpheus, she is able to track down Neo, who they free. And it seems that the Matrix has been remade, but not in the way they intended. And that's our movie right there. We're off to the races. Yeah, I actually thought... Well, it wasn't that the Matrix was remade, though. Well, I mean, the Matrix has always, always existed, but it's yeah, but kind it's of changed been... again, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, there's certain characters who have been influencing it, uh, particularly. Um, now, I okay, so I love the idea of the Morpheus coming from a program this time. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. I liked uh, eventually how they went with. I'm sure we'll talk about the symbolism that they're going for in the overarching themes of the film later on. But I liked whenever he like he is able to actually because they actually said that they have a way of getting a program out of the matrix now which yeah. is really interesting uh so um i was really really wondering how they were going to materialize that and then when it did actually come about i wasn't let down i really liked the way that they materialized the programs in the real mm. world and yeah. considering you've already mentioned that this the they actually are in the matrix we're, we're sp- potentially going full spoilers already well we'll, the- we'll try and keep spo- so that's like the setup i don't think that uh, there's too many spoilers in that because that's like the first like 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, you do find him within the first 20 minutes. I mean, come on, it's a Matrix movie. You know he's in the Matrix. Like, I don't think that's spoiling (laughs) anyone. We'll try and and keep it non-spoilery for the moment, and then we'll go full bore in a minute, in like 10 minutes. Fair enough. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I I think that... uh, Okay, I like that aspect, getting Morpheus out. Yeah. I will say that... um, I was expecting something different. The now the setup of him being this game designer mm. legend who created the game The Matrix, it and like they use that as a they use that as a, as a a mode to do all this to do all this discussion around the idea <laughs> yeah. of like being really meta about like you know needing to make a, a remake. Yeah, they've got to make know, sequels. Like Hollywood always needs to yeah, like leverage yeah, sequels yeah, yeah. and nostalgia to make money, or Hollywood in the games industry, and it's yeah. very. It is very meta. Like, I mean, it's it's essentially it's making me- fun of its own existence. It is, yeah. I thought that was I thought that was good. I, I like that meta aspect to it. I think once they made that joke, it was sort of 
I didn't really need the, the. I don't know if I needed like they did a they did a montage very early on, which <laughs> yes, I don't think do. was really needed. With the nightmare uh, game developers and like Christina Ricci shows up in that sit in yeah. scene for like five minutes just to. She's the like the head head the head the lead on on the new game or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I okay. So I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to to uh, Morpheus in a second because um, I want to mention yeah 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 Abdul Mateen a bit more, but. I think the f- the first 40 or no it's not really 40 minutes probably the first half hour of this movie where it's very meta and it's a lot of a lot of the the uh, of uh, Lily Wachowski like talking wait hold on which one did you say worked on this Lily or Lana I can't remember Lana Lana Wachowski um um to- basically speaking through her characters to talk about to to, to address things that that she wants to address and there's a lot I think it's a running theme in this movie that the voice of the author is very clear um oh. and i and i think that might rub some people the wrong way um for me it didn't bother me as much because most of the characters that she is speaking through are simulations in the matrix so there's that kind of layer of abstraction where if they don't really behave like normal people i don't mind because they're not real people uh, like you kind of have that excuse um, ready-made for those characters but okay. it, I could see it annoying some people um, it didn't annoy me at all, I loved it Well, but... be, be more explicit what you're saying because I, I noticed a lot of fingerprints of th- themes within it which were very obvious to me but it's not actually through the characters from The Matrix talking, so what do you mean? Well, I mean, so that entire first half hour <clears throat> with like the scumbag developers and like people, mm-hmm. I I can't even remember what they're saying. Like, I, I didn't write the lines down, but they're talking. They're, yeah, yeah. they're 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 talking in very kind of like gamer bro speak about yeah. making a sequel to the Matrix, and they're awful characters. They're nightmare people, and and mm-hmm. it's very clearly uh, Lana Wachowski making fun of these kind of people who uh, you know sit mm-hmm. in production meetings for sequels to beloved franchises or uh you know video games that are video game adaptations or whatever and have clearly like meetings that they have been in and they're pulling from and i think it couldn't someone it could potentially find it frustrating that all of these characters are utter scumbags mm-hmm. um and not really believable as human beings but i think for me one of the reasons why it worked is because they're not actually human beings they're that you've got that layer of, of abstraction where this is all happening in the matrix so you can just kind of mm, yeah, yeah. be like yeah they're, well they're not real people like christina ricci is a simulation in this yeah 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 100 um yeah no no i agree with that i think that's great obviously there is a load a load of commentary on like uh lgbtq plus issues and stuff yes. which we, which we can get into fully maybe in the spoiler section because there are particular mentions of things that happen in there we have to mention i will yeah. say i made i i personally think i made a fantastic joke uh, and just to tell the audience, it, you know, I don't think it's a bad taste joke. Um, oh, here we go. That's, because, that's a, that's but, a... but if you don't know the context of this joke, you <laughs> may think that. Go on. Yeah, I know. But if you don't know the context of this joke, you might think it's bad. But it's such a good joke, in my opinion. And I will pat myself <laughs> on the back for it, right? Okay. When Morpheus uh, said, he, when he said, I'm, you know, I think I'm Morpheus, and he became Morpheus, I turned to Ema and I said, Is that Samuel Jackson? because you know how Lawrence Fishburne and Samuel Jackson always got annoyed by being by being mistaken with each other come on was that not a good joke I think that was a joke on extras if I'm not mistaken I think I think well uh, well, the the, the extras hadn't seen this movie yet so but yeah yeah, it was whenever Samuel Jackson was on it he he said yeah I loved you in Matrix but there's actually there's actually uh, clips from interviews 
where Lawrence Fishburne is getting no, no, the Samuel L. Jackson interviewers have said to him, "I loved you in the Matrix." In real interviews, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I, I mean, it, you know, he has to, he has to, like, just put up with that joke, I guess, now because extras Im- Im- immortalized it to the point where I'm sure people say it a mixture of seriously and in jest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both ironic and real now. Um, but yeah, 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 you're exactly right. I thought, I thought the new, the new Morpheus was good though. I, yeah, so I, I, it wasn't I in fact was Lawrence Fishburne. It was, it was Yaya Abdul Mateen II, uh, mm-hmm. who I've never seen him before. Anything. So he was in uh, One Night in Miami. Um, he has been in a couple of other things that I've seen, and he's always very good. And he is so he 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 doesn't get that much screen time. He gets a little bit, but but he's kind of um, I, he's kind of a secondary character insofar as as um, you know there are secondary characters in this. Uh, certainly, or oh, he's more of a secondary character than Morpheus was in the original movies. Let's say that much. But I think yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen absolutely brings it. Like he's very. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a word that, that the young the young folk use now. He's very extra in the outfits that <laughs> yeah. he wears. Very flamboyant outfits. The yeah, way he is, performs yeah. is a lot of charisma, a lot of flamboyance to to mm-hmm, his performance, mm-hmm. which I really really loved. Um, and I think he did the absolute most he could with the time that he had and when uh, the movie develops and we see so he, he's a, a program and we see how in the real world those programs manifest physically around mm-hmm. physical humans um i thought that was really cool as well i thought it looked great and i thought his performance translated really well into that which it might not have done you know it's not probably not that easy to perform in such a way as 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 as, mm-hmm. as, as would work in that situation yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think like the like the the little magnetized was like magnetized balls of metal, like he was. Yeah, yeah, it's like little ball bearings, basically. Yeah, little ball bearings, and it was so he could like sneak through drain pipes and stuff. But uh, so yeah, I thought that was a really cool manifestation of that, and obviously the uh, overarching theme there. Uh, like I saw this for the first like trilogy when I was really young, so the the themes of the LGBTQ plus community and stuff was like sort of a bit lost on me. Mm. But uh, but this one really made me realize that this is what it's been about from the yeah. start. So like the the idea now, now like that um, th- that they have allies. So like these these uh, the hu- the humans I suppose would be kind of like the community, and then like they now they have allies because programs are joining their cause, yeah. as well as that uh, actual uh, machines in from from the real world are joining their cause as well. Yeah. Uh, certainly. I think there's a few things that, that you can read into those. So the, the one thing, we'll get into spoilers in a second just so we can fully discuss this. The, the one thing I'll say before we do that is um, it's a Matrix movie, so obviously there's going to be martial arts and cool action sequences. Yeah. And although the... the So you, you haven't got Yuan Wu-Ping working on this, the, the stunt choreographer who worked on the original three uh, movies, having come from you know, Jackie Chan stuff in Hong Kong. Um, so the choreography is not as good um, and it's less kind of the wide shots tradition like traditional kind of uh, Hong Kong martial arts movie wide shots and more kind of fast cuts which is a little disappointing but you have to also remember that most of the actors in this are, who are doing the martial arts are or the, the the main ones at least are in their 50s so it's understandable that there's a mm-hmm, bit more mm-hmm. cutting around to to um, hide their shortcomings uh, based yeah. on age but I still thought the martial arts was really good and I thought just as an act that there's a lot going on in this movie um a lot, a lot of it that uh, that Lana Wachowski wants to say but I think just as an action movie it works quite well too like I enjoyed the action part of it and just the sort of basic story that it's telling of of um kind of fixing the matrix again basically yeah like I didn't I didn't become 
bored with the action which is something was just saying something because it's the fourth one you know so I, I i didn't become bored with the action i thought that it did progress the story well so i think they they managed to marry it i, th- I think there was the, i maybe when i go away from the film i don't remember the action as much as i do the story beats and stuff mm. i think the actual meta story that they were telling and stuff was more important to this one than say like when you think about like what they were trying to do with some of the ones like especially reloaded it was all about the action you know really kind of um well the first so half think... was the second half was just them talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. the bloody stuff that the architect is going to go on about basically. i know what you mean but like the most memorable parts of that like are like the, on the freeway and stuff and you know yeah, yeah. um and when he's flying and things so i, I think th- i think that I, I i this one i'm not going to remember the action i think that's two fair. years in yeah. two years time i'm not going to remember the action i'm only yeah. going to remember i'm I... only going to remember the I definitely, yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely enjoyed it. I don't think there's an action set piece that is going to stay with me in the way that the Morpheus rescue in the first Matrix or the highway, yeah. the highway chase in the in Reloaded, is going to stay with me, which is a shame. But those are also two of the best action set pieces of the last thirty years. So it's a high bar, I think, that yeah. they're that they're competing against. Um, okay, right, we're going into spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie. Um, warning that we're going to talk about spoilers now. You can come back in I don't know ten minutes time maybe, and we'll we'll talk yeah. about like our final thoughts. But uh, but this is your warning. So we we you've already kind of mentioned Anthony, and I think that's an interesting point. The exiles come back, and in particular, the Merovingian comes back. So the exiles are kind mm. of the old programs who, in the original trilogy, were kind of hinted at as being former agent programs that had been cast out because they were out of out of date, and they essentially became like black market uh, individuals yeah. in the original trilogy. Mm. And I, so I'm going to talk for a second about the the clear like voice of the author going on here. Um, this is. The, it, like we've already talked about the uh, this kind of riffing on Hollywood's need to produce sequels and leverage nostalgia, yeah. but there's also a very clear message in this of uh, Lanowski wanting to talk to directly to the idiots who appropriated the red pill as a dog whistle Definitely. for like racism and bigotry, um, and mm-hmm. I felt like that was represented pretty much to a T by the Merovingian who turns up as this like kind of tom hanks in castaway looking motherfucker like, yeah, wild, what the hell? Like, wild hair like wearing skins and like spitting and blathering about how things were better back in the old mm-hmm. days and wanting things to go back to how they were um and it, and it's just i feel like it's a direct shot at the peak kind of people who consume media with nostalgia as their like primary demand from it which i think there's quite yeah. a lot of crossover between that and the people who who maybe criticized the original matrix for being too or well would criticize this matrix for being too woke while completely failing to understand the allegories of uh, gender identity and mm-hmm. and racial identity in the original matrix trilogy of which there were a lot i think it's fair to say mm-hmm. yeah well exactly like any dystopian future is usually based in these in in some sort of more deep point yeah. i i think i sometimes think that the we've talked about it before like a little bit i sometimes think that these like sort of accusations of wokeness is literally like you know you're trying to have a message in your in in your in your art how dare you it's like well yes every piece of art should if you're if you're if you're 
if you want to make art which is just on the face of it then it's going to be pretty bad um yeah well it so, means nothing yeah. now it means nothing it, it's 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 wokeness is a term that has been appropriated by right-wing morons uh to uh, as a dog whistle essentially to to basically criticize something mm. without actually having any valid criticism for it um it's 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 the criticism leveraged by people who view the presence of a non-white or a, a non-cisgendered or non-straight or mm. or, or, or any or, or just a woman anyone who isn't a cis white man is mm-hmm. inherently political and therefore featuring them in any kind of prominent role in your film or television show or whatever you're making is woke and i love that this movie speaks directly to those people yeah. directly to the crit- critics and says no fuck off like the matrix has always been woke the first movie or in fact all three of the original trilogy had rage against the machine in the credits and i don't know how anyone could have possibly watched those movies and not understood that the 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 kind of ideas that those people would end up espousing were exactly what it was speaking against and i i think there's there's an element or so this is the thing that i can understand people not liking about this movie because i happen to agree with a lot of what this movie is yeah, saying yeah, 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 which yeah. is why i'm happy to hear the voice of the author so so obviously uh being spoken through it and i, I think some people who maybe don't will not enjoy it which is not to say that there aren't valid criticisms aside from that but a lot of the criticism i have seen of this movie has been quite bad faith arguments of being like has the matrix gone woke and it's like no it hasn't it's always been this way actually yeah yeah you've just like maybe that person speaking has just got to the point where they stopped progressing uh yeah. like you know this is this is what i always find funny like this is obviously we're not a political we're not a political uh commentary podcast but you know we'll give our opinion every now and then i uh i personally do not understand the people who can't see themselves in past bigots so like the idea of you talking about someone someone talking about wokeness or someone being against trans rights how can you not transport yourself back 20 30 years and see that you are making the exact same arguments that they did against gay people or 20 30 years before that the exact same arguments they were making against the black rights movement i don't understand how these people think that okay now society should stop progressing like why do they they would like all these people they would have been against every single uh social change throughout history yeah because that you know what they have they have uh, an, an, an innate want to stay the same an innate want to have the the, the status quo maintained yeah. and it is it's terrible like, well i mean they don't they don't witness oppression in their day-to-day lives or at least not explicit physical oppression yeah. therefore it can't possibly exist that's that's how how it's perceived um mm-hmm. but yes yeah, so uh I, I i love that this movie is speaking to that and i love that it's very it's just it's it's very outspoken in 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 its messages and i think it's it's a movie that that with a message that we need and it just happens to be a very good movie as well i think um a couple of other things i wanted to get into first off i don't know if you'll necessarily know who this is or recognize him but uh tiffany's husband is played by chad stahelski who was uh, i did know that i don't know why i saw i think i saw him in an interview like two days before i watched this film and that's the reason i knew i love they they call him handsome chad in this movie which i just love and i thought yes go on i I, it took me five minutes to realize it was him because i heard the word the name chad and all of a sudden i was like oh my god are they already starting uh poking at the red pill guys Uh, you know (laughs) because like the idea of him being called chad i was like oh my god yeah but then i realized who it is i was like oh okay maybe no yeah he he does he does sound like a red pillar but i 
I, I'm, I'm assured that Chad Sahelski is a, is a lovely man by all accounts. He was, of course, uh, Keanu Reeves' stunt double in the original trilogy and has gone on to yeah. direct the John Wick movies and seems like a pretty cool guy from everything I've heard mm-hmm. of him. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, the... I've always kind of liked the production and costuming for Zion in in mm-hmm. these movies. I always thought that they, they were really well-designed places. They felt very real. And Io is the city that we come back to here in the real world, which is, a, a you know, as you've said, we've got friendly robots and AI added to the, adding, added to the kind of cultural uh, melting pots. Uh, of, Allies. Of, Allies, sure, of the of the of the human of the post post apocalypse because it's not the post apocalypse anymore. We're past the post apocalypse and humanity's starting to kind of recover now. Um, how how did you find Io aside from Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, Niobe um, with her weird old lady makeup? Uh, yeah, well, I I, I like the I love I the same as you. I love the design of these world of this like the real world within the Matrix. I don't think we saw too much of it to be honest with you. Um, I I liked the design of what, what I saw, but there's only so much they could do in, in the in the one film. I, I you know, I, I liked it. I liked it, but uh, not, didn't it didn't add much. Mm, I don't know. Actually, I'll take that back. I really enjoyed the part where they were going in. Like they were showing how they were growing their own food now and stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that the addition of the, the robots and the programs that have uh, left the Matrix added a lot to the look of it as well, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I didn't I didn't even mind the sort of heavy-handed symbolism of some of the namings as well. Like the, the, the woman who uh, who grows the plants is Freya, who I believe is like the Norse oh, yeah. goddess of like of nature or something which i was like no, that's fine that's fine we can all we can all agree that that's fine it doesn't matter yeah. but uh yes okay well i think that's just about everything i wanted to go through here was there anything else you wanted to talk about um there was one or two things which could be just very quick here first thing was the uh the inclusion of uh jonathan groff as agent smith mm. I saw him. He turned up in an episode of uh, the new Sex in the City that my partner is watching. I was very oh, surprised. I was very surprised to see him in that. Uh, he's actually fantastic. And when we eventually do sit down and do a reaction or whatever, even if we just watch it our personal life, to Hamilton, he plays an interesting role in that. Oh, okay. He's also he's also the main role in the TV show, the David Fincher TV show, Mind Hunter, which oh, is about in, uh, yeah. the, it's about the uh, the invention of the term uh, serial killer. Okay. And it's also and he's also um, uh, and one of the main voices in Frozen and Frozen 2 as well. I've not um, seen either of those, so that's so, probably why so, I don't know him that well. So jo- uh, Jonathan Groff, yeah, I thought the the decision to have him play Smith was rather interesting to me. And to mm. be honest with you, it I, I enjoyed his performance, but he never felt like um, Smith to me. He never, he never, he never felt like Smith at all. No, I, I think. Yeah, Hugo Weaving's a tough act to follow. Um, yeah. But I do, I think he's not helped by the script. Smith is kind of an afterthought in this. You know, he turns up, uh, fights Neo when the exiles are kind of trying to trying to deal with all the deal with all the humans, and they have a cool fight there. And then he's really not in the movie until the very end when he kind of turns up to help them, basically, to mm-hmm. help save the day. Although he's very much an anti-hero in that moment. Um, but I, I, I do agree that uh, the Jonathan Groff did a good job with what he had but i just don't think they gave him he was feeding off of scraps i think in this yeah. screenplay um which was a yeah. shame and then also um the other i'm not going to mention even the neil patrick harris character like that's just like we've talked about the themes and everything the actual plot of what happens you go watch the film guys but i will mention the i i kind of oh i wanted to mention this actually 
I was going to mention they're the upgrades to the Matrix, like the doorways of getting in and out. It yeah. is what it is, world building, whatever. What I wanted to mention <laughs> is this, Conrad. Maybe it's because you told me before I watched it that it was really meta and that I would, you know, I, I would probably enjoy it because of that. But I'll tell you what I thought I was going to watch. Uh, so this is the film I thought I was going to watch, and I'm actually a little disappointed I didn't watch it. Uh, but but I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed the film. I thought we were going to get a real world, uh, like 2021 or, 20, or 2020, where um, the Matrix films had been out 18 years ago. Yeah. And this is how meta I thought it was going to go. Not just meta in terms of making a game or whatever. And I thought that it was going to be out that, that long ago. And I thought that the idea was that the Matrix was going to be created within our world based on the idea from the film. And then they were going to... Yeah, that's what I thought. Was, I thought it was, <laughs> There'd been a lot of explaining to get to that, I think. <laughs> I thought it was going to be that meta, you know? Like, I thought you know, it was going to be like so, some, some people creating the Matrix because they liked the idea of it from the film. Yeah. And then it actually actually. What Keanu Reeves out. is like shooting John Wick 4 and then, and then yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just turned into Neo at some point. That's honestly... thought I thought it was, they were going to go that way. But I thought it was going to be meta in that way where okay. like the Matrix was going to be born out in our own world. But anyway, it didn't happen. No, we didn't get that. Maybe for the next one, because apparently they're, they're pushing to make more of these. Um, I think it does kind of work as a, much like the first Matrix, it works as a self-contained movie for the most part, I think. But there's, you know, there's wiggle room if they want to, if they want to, like, do some more. They did establish in this that the reason that the, the robots kind of, uh, or the machines uh, broke their pacts is because there was essentially a civil war between the machines and, and, and the bad faction overthrew the good faction. Uh, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's stuff to explore there if they want to, and you know maybe maybe they'll come back another twenty years when Keanu's seventy, and it'll be like oh that would be brilliant that would be oh, brilliant. I, yeah. I will say last thought, uh, and it'll take it'll take ten seconds. Carrie Ann Moss, well done, fantastic. I support you. When she when she turned forty years old, she's been public about this. She, when she turned forty years old, she got a call to her agent offering her a role as a grandmother. That's no word of a lie. Uh, and look at her still in action films. At this at, at this age, I don't even know how old she is, but she's you know. I think she's well in her fifties as well. Yeah, yeah. is it? If it, so, but she's still going doing doing the Matrix. So you know, all I can say is well done you, and I and I appreciate that you uh, that you spoke out about that uh, the way that uh, older women are treated in Hollywood. Yeah, that that, that reminds me of I, I watched uh, Don't Look Up this week, which we might get round to talking about next week on the podcast. Um, and one of the funniest letterbox reviews I uh, saw of that movie was that they they were praising Leonardo DiCaprio's performance for pretending that he was attracted to women the same age as him in that movie. Because <laughs> it's the only time I've ever seen Leonardo DiCaprio with an appropriately aged wife in any movie he's ever been in. <laughs> it's yeah it's it is not a two-way street unfortunately for women uh and no. uh it's still the case but uh yeah carrie ann moss absolutely out there bringing it she does a lot of good good action work in this trinity is still a badass as it turns out not that not that anyone was doubting it um yeah. anthony what what would you give it if you if i held a gun to your head and forced you to rate this movie out of five which i might be doing they don't know <sighs> you're not gonna like it conrad um i think i do like the film Oh no, here okay. it comes. Here comes the sucker punch. Yeah, here it comes. I do like the film. <laughs> but, and and there is a but. Uh, <laughs> we show it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't believe that it, it was the best Matrix film. I oh don't no, believe, absolutely not. No. I think probably the first Matrix I would, out of five, give it five out of five. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to give this a three, Conrad. Oh, that's all right. I thought you were going to say I, two. Although I do, I do like it. I know, I, I know, I, I enjoyed the film. I just don't think it's above a three for me. I, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, I gave it a four because I did end up. I was really surprised by it, to be honest. I was kind of yeah. going in cautious, thinking I might hate this, but um, I was in a, I was in a good Matrix mood, and I, I, I thought it was four. But it's, it's worth seeing. I think we can both agree upon definitely that. worth seeing. Um, yeah. which is going to lead us quite nicely into answering uh, one question, as we always do on this here podcast, and that is Anthony. With all this in mind, what's your favourite movie this week? Oh, I would rewatch it for the first time in years. Got to be ten things ahead about you. <laughs> Oh, I watched that quite recently as well. It's still a good movie. Great it is film. still a good movie. Great Heath film. Ledger was like 20 years old when he made that. It's ridiculous. He looks it? about 30. It, it, well, Heath Ledger was only 27 when he died. That, yeah, that's I, I crazy think, to think about. Yeah, it's 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 like I didn't realize how young everyone in that movie was. Um, but, Great uh, chemistry between the, the main two, Heath Ledger yeah. and Julia Stiles, though. Lovely JGL appearance as well in oh, that it's on um, the rise he was on the rise at the time. He was, yeah he was he was knocking on the door of hollywood saying i'm a leading man if only you'd let yeah. me i can be a leading man in movies like looper and uh <laughs> i like looper i shouldn't make fun of it, I do uh, like my, it. I mine like is going to be matrix resurrections because i think this movie is great and, it, and everyone should see it uh, uh, yes, so that's definitive. We've we've established that now. Um, <laughs> thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can check out links to their stuff down in the description. And thank you to you for joining us. Uh, please consider subscribing if you haven't already. We're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps, and we are the Culture Cave on YouTube. That's the name of our channel. Um, drop the show a like if you haven't already done that. It really does help us get some get some traction in the algorithm, yeah. and we will see you same time same place next week he's beginning to believe again